Welcome back. I'm Pastor Mike, along with my brother Rick Salcedo, author here. Uh, Rick and I have been talking about Jonah and the book of Jonah, and we uh, last time we got through the first three and a half chapters of it, although it's only four chapters long. And we've been talking about, um, you know, the life of Jonah. And if you would, Rick, kind of bring us up to speed where we're at for today. Okay, well, uh, God commissioned Jonah to preach repentance to the city of Nineveh which he didn't want to do because he hated the Ninevites. And he knew that if they repented, then they wouldn't suffer for all their wicked deeds. So he runs from God, and, of course, God causes a storm, and he gets swallowed by the fish. And then so Jonah finally straightens up to the point where he says, okay, Lord, I'll go. And so the fish spits him up on the shore. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches repentance, even though his heart wasn't in it. Um, and the Ninevites... From the king down to the lowest person, they all repented. And so now Jonah's mad uh, over that, and God asks him, do you really have a right to be mad? That's right. So we're going to pick up there, and there's only a little bit left in this chapter here. And, um, you know, you'd think we wouldn't get much material out of four chapters, but there's so much here to be to to be uh, kind of dissected and got into and, and some points to be drawn out of. But anyway, but I'm picking up here in chapter 4, verse 5, and normally I wouldn't read straight through, but I think this is going to be good to do uh, for today, so you can kind of get this. So, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Now he's just kind of chilling back and watching, right? And the Lord God prepared a plant, and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned and the next day, God uh, prepared a worm. And it was, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. No, we just heard that just a little bit ago, mm. didn't we? It's making me wonder if he's like a drama king. <laughs> Every time something doesn't go his way, he wants right. to die. That's right, man. That is exactly right. And so what do you think God says to him? He says, God says, hey, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? I mean, each time he gets turned back, and here's what he says. To, Jonah says, to, is it right for me to be angry even to death? But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Hmm. And we see there in the end God putting it in perspective for yeah. Jonah. And in in, so the fact that Jonah... He was upset that the people repented, but the fact that he went up on the hillside there to watch what would happen to the city shows he was still hoping judgment would come. Yep. And the fact that God talks about the people and the livestock would have been perished. So we're talking one of those total destruction, one of those holy destruction That's type right. judgments. Yeah, like a Sodom and Gomorrah kind of, you mm -hmm. know, destruction. That's mm -hmm. exactly right. And I think it's um I think it's worth noting too that you know, we don't ever get any more information out of that. 
that's the end of the story. I don't know how Jonah, after all this happened, did Jonah change his way of thinking or not? Not that it matters, but I really think that's the reason why we've been given the lesson of the story is so that we can learn from their example. There's a times when, and now I'm going on a rabbit hole here, but um, have you ever heard that, uh, you know, the school of hard knocks is the best teacher? Mm-hmm. You know? I've heard people say that and, uh, you know, learn from experience and learn from experience. But i got to be honest with you. I'd much rather not learn from experience. If I can read the Bible or books like, you know, especially the Bible, but you read a book about something and somebody else's experiences teaches you something that you don't have to go through it, I would much rather learn that way than me be put in that position. And I think that's the reason why we've been given the story of Jonah. Is because I don't know what Jonah turned out to be, and it doesn't really matter to me mm-hmm. at the end of it. What I really want to see was what, what when I'm looking at certain situations, my mentality, how that plays out, that me versus the big picture of things. So anyway, I know I kind of went off on a tangent. So anyway, so that's the whole book of Jonah uh, through chapter four there. Uh, that's a whole lot of people saved all because some mm-hmm. guy got puked up out of a fish there and spoke the word of God to them. And what I really want to do now, Rick, is I want to look down and I'd like to break down with you and, and point out seven things that we could take out of the book of Jonah and apply them. They're applicable to us in our life. So, and they kind of go, coincide along with uh, the flow uh, of the book as well. So, so number one, Rick, running from God may indicate bitterness or unforgiveness towards others. Or other people. And that's exactly what we saw in the very beginning, right? It didn't say that right out front, but we, later on we got to that in chapter four. It was displeased in him because he wanted all those people to perish. Not just out of meanness. I believe Jonah wanted them to perish because they were the enemy. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but that wasn't God's plan. But it showed the hatred. Jonah ran from God because he hated Israel's arch enemy. The Assyrians were Nineveh uh, was located. And he couldn't stomach them asking for forgiveness from God and that God just may give it to them. Right. So he wanted total destruction to come upon him. Yeah. So I would say in our own life then, we need to start looking. If God tells us to do something and we are defiant from what God is telling us, we need to be looking at the real reason, not Mm -hmm. the symptom, but the source of why we're defiant in that. And one of those could be because maybe we're harboring some hatred there. Maybe maybe we have some ill intent for them. Uh, Or maybe that we don't want to put on them. We just don't want to see them relieved Mm -hmm. from it. Right. And Matthew chapter 6 verse uh, 15 tells us that if we don't forgive others, then neither will our Father in heaven forgive us. That's right. That's right. That's a really good point, right? Really good point. All right, so number two, point number two, you can run from God, but you can't hide from him. You, I love you that can run, answer. but you That's can't right. hide. That's a, you can run, but you can't hide, man. And I know that has. there's so many things in the secular world that I know come out yeah. of the Bible. I wonder if that came from this story. I'm, I would have no <laughs> doubts, no doubts yeah. whatsoever. And that's exactly what Jonah thought. And even Jonah knew that God is all-knowing, right? I mean, he, he knows God, but yet he still thinks in his mind, I'm just going to run. Yeah, maybe he can outrun the anointing or the calling. Yeah, I'll be just, well, if I just run hard enough and fast enough, then maybe I could just outdo it. Yeah. Uh, We do that. We, it's funny how sometimes we won't confess to God knowing that God already knows. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, well, we'll just ignore it. Like maybe it didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. And if I ignore it, then, you know, maybe God 
Well, ignore it too somehow. Yeah. Well, in the story of Job, yeah. you know, when God confronted Job and Job repented, mm-hmm. well, you know, his, his three friends realized that they misspoke too. Yep. But they, they just said, if we just sit here and be quiet, yep. maybe God won't notice us, you know, <laughs> but then God turned to them and said, okay, you need to do an animal sacrifice to appease my wrath because you were wrong too. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We yeah. so often do that, man. We, so, we, 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 God is present when we want him to be and out of sight, out of mind when we want him to be as well. That's the way that mm-hmm. we process that logic sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if I don't say it, then he won't know. If I don't acknowledge it, then he won't acknowledge it. If I don't confess it, then he won't, you know, uh, recognize it either. And mm-hmm. we do that, man, and it's just crazy to me. So every time that we, we're, we're thinking about that or thinking from run to God, we can't hide from him. No. No matter where no. we go. What you just described was like a, a sad attempt of trying to control things. Yeah, that's exactly right. But God right. is beyond our control. That's right. That's right. And that's the key with that then is, is if, if we, and if we could recognize that every time, every step that we take that we can run, but we can never hide from God, then that relieves a whole lot of pressure from us as well. Because often we'll try to live that double life, even to God. We'll live a secret life. To not of, of confession with that. We'll live this way, but confess this way. But God already knows the two. But if you are constantly thinking, God already knows all this. It's already exposed. It's already out there. Then this secret life, you can actually let go of. Because you know that in your weakness, he's your strength. Mm-hmm. Right? And we learned that. Yeah. yeah. And in, um, you know, Jonah trying to run and hide from God, uh, in Psalms 139, verses 8 through 12, it, it pretty much, you know, uh, shows that God is everywhere. You know, it says, if I go to the heavens, God's there. If I go down to hell, God's there. You know, if I cross the seas, if I go to the mountains, you know, God is there. God is there. So you can't run and hide from God. That's right. And for those that are born again, the Holy Spirit is in you. <laughs> so True. not only is he everywhere. <laughs> so no matter where you go. That's right. You're <laughs> taking him with you. Um, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. if he's inside of you, no matter where you go, you got God right there in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, so point number three, God never gives up on you. Now, that's uh, we've looked at ones, okay, so we can't run from We run from them, might be bitter. We can run, but we can't hide. Mm-hmm. But what a good thing to know that no matter what, God isn't going to give up on you. Right. You know, very easily uh, he could have uh, gave up on Jonah. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, let's stop and contemplate that. If he gave up on Jonah and Jonah went to Spain and never – um, you know, fulfilled what God was calling him to do, he would have continued on in unforgiveness and hatred. That's right. You know, uh, but God dealt with him through um, adversity Yep. to try to straighten him out. Um, you know, and if he continued his life um, with unforgiveness and rebellion, you know, that would have eaten away at his soul. That would have affected his spiritual relationship with God. You know, I think God often, well, he, I know he does. He sees stuff in us that we don't see in ourselves either. And that um, sometimes we're given a specific task for both those who that are on the receiving end and for us on the giving end too. There may be something that when we give that we actually learn from. You know, the greatest way to, to master a subject is to teach a subject. And sometimes we need to be put in that position. So God won't give up on us 
knowing that, you know what I'm saying, if we step through that, too, that it's beneficial for all parties involved in it. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of times God will teach us things even when we, we don't want to learn it. That's right. You know, yep. uh, but it's for our own good. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, um, he who began a good work in us will finish it. Yeah. You know, so God will never give up on us. That's right. You know, whether we want the teaching and the improvement or not. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, he won't force us, but he waits on us and doesn't give up on us either. You mm-hmm. know, like you can't shove it down. You can't shove your will. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. He can manipulate your circumstances. Right. Right. So you change your so will. So you change your will. That's right. <laughs> but he can't forcibly change your will. That's, that's you know. Because he chooses not to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. All right. So. Number four, God allows the storms of life for our benefit. Now, this is a tough pill to swallow sometimes. You know, God sent the storm not to punish Jonah, but as an intervention to stop him from running. You know, Mm -hmm. something that stood in between him and what he would desired because it wasn't what was best overall. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not just for him, but for overall with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. If if God called Jonah to – why did God pick Jonah? He could have picked, uh, I'm sure there were several people in Israel. Sure. Jonah, God uses an opportunity to deal with Jonah's hatred and unforgiveness. That's right. That's right. You know, so, so you know, this whole story wasn't just for the benefit of the Ninevites. Right. It was for Jonah's benefit, too. Absolutely. And, you know, had God uh, not intervened with the storms and the adversities, again, you know, Jonah would have spent the rest of his life spiritually impaired in his relationship with God because he would have been eaten up by that hatred and that unforgiveness That's right. that, you know, God was trying to deal with him about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Moving right along here. Number five, when you run, others often get hurt. You know, we're all connected in one way or another too. And no matter what we do in life, nothing is ever just soloed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always connected to other people. And that's what we see here too. Even though he didn't know them, he still was connected to those guys on this boat by getting into a situation with them. And when he was on that boat, just because of who he was, all those people in there, because of the decision that Jonah made, now endangered all their lives as well. Mm-hmm. And we see that principle bear out in, with King David. You know, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba mm-hmm. and then uh, plotted to have Uriah, her husband, murdered. Yeah. Um, you know, he engaged in... Uh, Deceit, scheming, uh, sexual immorality, murder. Yeah. And all those things, he reaped what he sowed. Yep. All those things uh, infected his family, his children. Yes, sir. After he had done all those things. Exactly right. You were exactly yeah. right. Uh, Aiken's another example. You know, when they uh, attacked the city of Jericho, mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a total destruction. Um, all the precious metals was supposed to go into the treasury of God. Aiken, you know, he saw a nice robe mm-hmm. that he took. He saw silver and gold that he took. You know, so taking the robe, he was disobedient to God. Taking the silver and gold, he was robbing from God because that right. was supposed to go into the treasury. Yeah. Everything else was supposed to be destroyed. And uh, as a result, you know, a curse came upon Israel. And when they found out, you know, who who was responsible, you know, Aiken and his whole family uh, perished because of that. Mm-hmm. And also, you, you know... When we do something, a lot of times we don't do it um, thinking about the impact it has on others, mm-hmm. right? We just very short sighted, right? Very short sighted. So mm-hmm. we think, well, it's just me 
and this at that moment. Yeah, usually right? it's just me and the pleasure. That's right. That's right. Is, That's is exactly. what we're focusing on. Whatever it may be, yeah. me and that. If it's a theft, it's me and what I want. If mm-hmm. it's um, you know, if 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 it's if it relates to you and some, it normally just stops with you. You don't ever think about the impact that it can have on other people. But if we stopped and we really thought that through with every decision, and that's why it's good. I, you know, uh, no greater love is there than a man who's a brother who's willing to lay down his life for, for another, right? However that verse goes, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking. It's when you think of others before you. Mm-hmm. It's when your love for others is so great that every action that you have, really, number one, God needs to be exalted. So if you're thinking about that in every action, that alone should deter you from making these kind of decisions 100%. Mm-hmm. But when we don't do that, because we are human and we fail, it should then fall back upon the next one is to love your brother like that, you know, mm-hmm. that royal law. You know, when we if we fall short on that one, then we should fall back on that other one of mm-hmm. putting other people in front of us as well and loving yeah. them, you know. Yeah. And if we did that, we'd st- we wouldn't make those decisions. Go ahead, brother. Well, I was going to say, like, I'm very conscious about, you know, if I do anything on my property – how will it impact the neighborhood? Yeah. How will it impact the neighbors? And, I, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen these these places, and I, I hope I don't come across as judgmental, but these uh, homes where they've just got all kinds of old cars or old trailers or they just store up junk. Right, right. You know, and it really makes the neighborhood look bad. Right. Well, you know, they're just kind of being self-centered there. Right. Instead of thinking about others. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, say their neighbor wants to sell their house, they're going to have trouble selling it right. because you and I both know, you know, nobody wants to live next to a junkyard. Right, right. Well, and it's different from saying like, hey, I put a cross in my front yard because I'm a Christian and mm-hmm. I want to show the love, you know, that, hey, this is a home of Christianity versus something of personal desire. Right, right, you so, know, or just being lazy and not, you know, yeah. taking care of your property. You got three feet grass. That's and, right. You know, and then right. you got snakes running around the neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But yeah. And um, point number six is the longer you run from God, the worse the storm is going to get. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. You know, if we run from God and God is good, then we're running towards everything that's bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, we drag that out longer and longer and longer. Mm-hmm. And we kind of relish in it. Yeah, and if if God's if God's dealing with you on something, and you don't want to let it go, and you just kind of backslide and fall away from God, you know you're gonna you're gonna you know forfeit a lot of the blessings of of being obedient and serving God, and then eventually you'll come to your senses and say, you know, you know I'm not any better off trying to run from God than I was if I obeyed Him, and then you say, okay, God, I'm back. You know, where do we pick up? You know, where you're gonna pick up? Yeah. Right where you left That's off. That's exactly right. You know, That's exactly right. God's going to start dealing with you with that same thing. That's right. That caused you to run from him. And, um, you know, I heard a teacher once. She was a school teacher, a very godly woman. And she said, God's going to continue to give you the lesson until you pass the test. And her advice was pass it the first time. That's a really good advice, man. I don't know. I like that. I like that. You're exactly right. You know, you were talking about that away from... Uh, being away from God, even though you may think that you're uh, get, getting other pleasurable things, they're always short-lived too. So the things that are, are are really good for you, the things that will have the lasting goodness impact on your life are from the Lord. And when you're running from him, you may find, let's just say like he, he ran away. Let's, let's just say the storm wasn't there. Let's say it happened six months later or what have you. And he gets into Spain and he buys him a nice little house or whatever. He's in. All that will be short-lived. 
because eventually uh, it, it comes to an end. Eventually it's not sustaining. The only thing that is sustaining is God's word and God's goodness in your life with that. Mm. Yeah, even though, like you said, you have those short-term pleasures, mm-hmm. there's always going to be that emptiness That's deep exactly inside. Right. That's exactly right. Yep. All right, and last but not least here uh, is number seven, and your sin can never outstrip God's grace. And that's what we come to. You can't run so far from God that you've just got to the point of no return. And um, that's really huge to me, man, that, that it, you know, God's grace given to us is, is really, it means that when we sin, that we just haven't been disqualified from 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 our usefulness to God. In other words, we're, we don't become we were a dirty rag before we got saved, but after we've been made new, even when we fall short, even when we stumble, we don't get dirty again. We got the blood of Jesus that that cleanses us. That's our mediator between there. That even in these situations that we get in, God will still look at us and say, "You're still useful to me." every single time and that's where i think that it's important for us to remember because we don't ever want to live in that condemnation from that right yeah we got you know every time we mess up we just need you know i like to, to share with people every time you feed the flesh you you need to turn around and feed the spirit twice as much oh that's a good point you know and but a lot of times you're going to feel ashamed or guilty you know and the devil's going to be whispering in your ear you're a hypocrite you know you shouldn't be going to church you shouldn't be praying you shouldn't be reading the word of God, but we need to fight through that. And, you know, every time we feed the flesh, we need to feed the spirit twice as much. Double up on prayer, time, double up on reading the word, because, you know, we're in doing that. We're putting faith in God's grace and forgiveness mm-hmm. and not not uh, believing that he's going to condemn us for our failures. Right. You know, and it says the righteous fall seven times, but gets up each time. So yeah. if you're righteous, you know, you're just going to get get up, brush yourself off. And, and keep trying right and you know i think the the it's twofold we see that how it played out in jonah's life where god never gave up on him even when he fell short even when he made bad decisions even when he ran from him god never gave up on him mm-hmm. but you know what god never gave up on nineveh either and that right. was the other piece to that to yeah. me too was that god was sent somebody there for that opportunity for them as well mm-hmm. and all they had to do was repent which they did and they succumbed to that too. So yeah, and that that brings me to a question. So why not Sodom? Why not Gomorrah? Why not the the inhabitants of Canaan? You know, why did they have to endure the holy destruction? Um, and I think the answer is it, it depends on their heart. God saw in Nineveh the potential to repent. Mm-hmm. Um. Sodom and Gomorrah had reached a point where they were just so depraved mm-hmm. that they could have chosen to, to repent, but God knew they wouldn't. Right. And and he just he just decided to put an end to their wickedness. Well, remember, he sent the messengers in there. The messengers didn't get very far. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before they were already, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, kidnap them and do all kind of, you know, really unholy things mm-hmm. to them you know what i mean so yep. it wasn't like god i don't even think can't discounted that mm-hmm. uh, i just you're right I, uh, it's not only the heart it's whether or not to accept the opportunity you know mm-hmm. there's there comes a time there's a window there and if you looked in in 
I don't know if you probably have some more to add to this, Rick, and I'm sorry, but uh, sidetrack, but there's an opportunity of repentance that is there that God gives for that too. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the rich young ruler, you know, and he had all these things and he did all these things and God, he comes to Jesus and he says, what else do I have to do to be made perfect? And he says, they sell everything. And he went away sad because he, he, you know, that was his opportunity. That was his chance right there. God told him, Jesus told him exactly what he could do, and he missed his chance, and he moved on out of there. His heart wasn't right with it, and it wasn't ready to come back. Yeah. And I still like to think um, there, you know, that the Holy Spirit was working on him, working on him. Maybe eventually uh, yeah, maybe. he came around. I mean, maybe. At that moment in time, he did. That's right. He did. Yeah. And so when we get to this point here where God says, all right, here's my judgment, though. And this was this now. That's a New Testament example. This is Old Testament law that these people were under. It's mm-hmm. a little different here, but God said, "Hey, here's my judgment that's coming, coming to you. Mm-hmm. You do this, and this will happen. Right. You do this, and this will happen. Right. You make the choice. Which one do you want? Yeah. And also, these were communities that never served God to begin with. Right. You know, and and um, you know, all throughout this message, we've been talking about how God will never give up on you. Well, we belong to God. That's right. And, he, you know, as we said before, uh, God, who began a good work in us, is well able to finish it. That's right. Um, but these people were never servants of God to begin with. Yeah. And and I'm sure God dealt with them and dealt with them and dealt with them, and they got to a point where they were just, God knew, you know, they are, they're just not going to repent. Yeah. And I can't let their wickedness prevail any longer. Yeah. And, and that's why... Uh, in in some instances in the Bible, we see this total destruction coming on people yeah. in communities and societies. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred percent. Well, Rick, I really enjoyed our study of Jonah here, man. And um, like I said, it's a it's really a childhood story, you know, that we learn as kids. But I think it's still so applicable as adults. Yes, it is. Um, because if anything, I think as adults we do this more than I've ever done as a child run away from what God has told me to do mm-hmm. because as a child, I had childlike faith, Yeah. but as an adult, you know, yeah, we, we've got our agendas or that's right. like Jonah, you know, we, we want things to turn out a certain way. That's right. That's right. We, th- the way that we think they ought to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing how we keep getting back in that same realm every time of putting ourselves first and what we think of first. But, uh, and that's why we need to make sure that we stay in the word and, and keep God first and uh, seek ye first the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, and all those other things will be added unto you, right? So, there you go. But, yeah. According to God's, you know, according to God. That's right. And his uh, His will and his timetable. That's right. And just see how many other people end up getting blessed out of it, too. Mm-hmm. Just like we see there were 100,000 people here that were, yeah. you know, repented and, and uh, brought to God, so. Anyway, well, Rick, I really have enjoyed it, man. Thank you for your time with me today. Uh, If you would, get us on out of here, Rick. Uh, All right. Well, we thank you for joining us, and we hope you were blessed by the message. And until next time, prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen. Amen.